Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Today on Building the Broncos, Carl and Nick discuss the players they believe can and must take that next step in their game this season for the Broncos to turn things around in 2018 and beyond. This is Building the Broncos. Welcome to Building the Broncos with your hosts, Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing, man? I am doing pretty well. The weather has actually been gorgeous this week. I had a good weekend, got in, drove up about an hour and a half north to one of the best disc golf courses in Iowa this weekend and babysat girlfriend's mom's dog, which was fun. He came with you. He was a pretty good boy. So can't complain. And OTAs are rolling around. Work's been busy, but good. So got no real complaints. That's good, man. If I could get you to take out one word, that the disc word. Oh, man. <laughs> and then you and I could, could hit up the links together and get in some golf. No, that's, uh, that's, that's my week. I'm hoping to get in a few rounds this week before I have my first tournament. So it, it's been fun getting out in the heat again and swinging a golf club and actually feeling like I know what I'm doing again. It's been it's been a while since I've felt that with a golf club. But it's, that's my one joy of the summer of waiting for the, the NFL to, to kick off again in the in the fall is I get a few rounds of golf in. Yeah, the biggest thing for me between disc golf and regular golf is A, price. Like it costs a lot, obviously, to go on the course and the clubs and everything where disc golf, it's mostly just the, the discs. And then the other thing is I love being in the woods. I love being around trees, and that's not a golfer's best friend. Not really a disc's best friend either, but they, <laughs> the way they make them, the the courses, you can actually like be in the middle of a forest or woods or anything, and that's my happy place. Yeah, I I bought a membership this year. Mm. I'm not going to tell my wife exactly what I spent on it. Can you put a price on happiness? <laughs> uh, she might. Okay, that's <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But not me. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I want you to let you know that the Building the Broncos focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the upcoming season and OTAs and training camp, everything. With Nick and myself being just building the Broncos aholics, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode from scouting reports, player value, scheme, personnel fits, and just some just general football banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle and MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. And you can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of 24-7 Sports, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. 
And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker and rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Now, before we get into everything for today, we want to take a, a second to, to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. You can get a free audio book download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. I would highly recommend this. I have a big trip coming coming up here in a couple of weeks uh, to Haiti. And uh, I, I know I'm going to have a lot of, lot of hours in the air, a lot of hours in an airport. So Audible is definitely going to be one of my best friends. After, of course, the, the Huddle Up podcast. I'm going to be listening to all those getting caught back up. But after that, Audible, I'm going to be listening to a lot of books. So I highly recommend it. Well, Nick, we're, we're kind of making that transition today into all of our listeners to getting past the draft. We're, we're, we're putting the... The not the complete kibosh on on the 2018 draft, but but we're kind of moving forward to looking at the the 2018 season and kind of looking at the entire roster now. I mean, we are the building the Broncos. It's not just about the draft to build a team. It is about all the different avenues that you have. And and today we thought it would be great to talk about some players that we think really need to to step up. And these are players not that. We're not talking about the Case Keenums of, hey, we added this new quarterback. We need him to step up over what we had last year at quarterback. We're, we're talking about the players that have maybe shown a little bit of promise that have been on the roster. Uh, maybe they haven't really shown anything, but they need to show something. They These used are, high capital to get them to the team. Right. Right. Exactly. And so the, these are the players of what what can we expect from them? is another question that we're going to answer today and just what it's going to take to get them to that next level. And probably one of the, the biggest players that still is going to be talked about, even though he's not going to be a starter this year, we're going to start with Paxton Lynch. And uh, I, that, that name just, it causes me to cringe these days because of how much he hurt me, <laughs> but there, there's still hope. There is still some hope for this guy. But just starting off, just to, to kind of give some of the basics for what what has happened so far, we're just looking first off contract wise. This is I, I've heard a lot of people talking about why not just cut Paxton Lynch? Why not just move on from him if he's not going to be the starter? Well, a big part of that is his contract. He is making two point six million dollars in cap hit this year, and of course, then after this year is when they're going to make their decision on the fifth year option. Probably not going to do that. But at this point, he's still, he's only 24. And when he came into the league, everybody thought, hey, this guy is a two to three year project. Well, we are getting into year three. And just looking back to last year, played two games, went 30 of 45. That's 66.7% completion percentage, which actually is pretty good. But only had 295 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 72. So a couple flashes couple things that look a little bit nice, other things that look not great at all. But I guess just looking at the past with Paxton, what what for you, Nick, has been the biggest disappointment? Yeah, the biggest thing for me with Paxton Lynch is that he was always considered a multi-year project. It was going to be year two, year three, year four when he finally showed, which A, probably meant he shouldn't have been a first-round pick anyway. But that's, that's an entirely different argument. But the biggest thing for me is that he looked like a better quarterback 
at Memphis. Granted, you know, obviously worst competition and whatnot, but he, he even just his regular overall play was better at Memphis than anything he showed so far at the NFL level. I would say that he is, he at least from what I've seen over the last two seasons, he's farther away from being a competent NFL starting quarterback today than he was when he was first drafted, which is just mind-blowing. I think a lot of that has to do with confidence. Yeah, I think he's lost a lot of faith in himself. I don't think he is, from what I've heard and what I've seen, is that he's not super mentally tough, which is, again, that's another besides-the-point issue. But I just, I don't know. It's There's hope there, but at the same time, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to end up winning our bet in the end that Paxton Lynch does not end up a long-term viable option for the Broncos at quarterback, which means <laughs> beer for me and not for you, Carl. I know. And for your girlfriend. And, yeah. Her. That too. Yep. Yeah. Can't forget her. Uh, I, I agree. There, there's a very good chance of that, but this is where we get into, we, we also want to talk a little bit today about maybe some latest things that we're hearing around OTAs and, and always take anything from OTAs with, with a grain of salt because it's, it's OTAs. A grain. No make, it, make it like a desert of salt. Yes, <laughs> there. You don't want to hear that things are going really bad for a player. That I would be more inclined to listen to that than I would to them doing good. Yeah, when they're in shells like they are right now, I would expect a quarterback to be looking pretty good. Things are pretty simple. Things are set up for them to to have success. Anyway, at camp so far, even the co- the, the coaches, players. Everybody that's been watching it that has pretty much said Paxton Lynch has actually looked really good. That he is has had some very good moments. He still had a few of those moments of just not really seeing the defense well. But the the thing beyond that that really gives me just that glimmer, glimmer of hope that yeah, when I when you say that slim to none, that this is that slim part. I've been hearing that he has been arriving early to practice and leaving late. I've heard that the video games are not as big of a concern this year as they were last year. And I've heard that he has been really working to connect a lot more with teammates. All those are are very good things that you want to hear. And I know some would say this is too little too late, but it's one of those things. Sometimes players, they just take a while to ever get it. For Paxton, I mean, this is a guy that is six foot seven. He is an athletic freak. And... For most of his life, he's just been able to live off that athleticism. I don't think he's had to work at what it takes to be a great quarterback. And I mean, that's why at Memphis, he could look really good because he just, he was that much bigger, stronger, faster than all the guys around him. So maybe, just maybe, he's finally getting that you can't just go out there and, and just trust that your athleticism is going to get you the job or that your first round pick gets you the job. I mean, losing two years in a row to Trevor Simeon. That, that should be a very humbling thing for any player. So th- like I said, there, there's some little things that give you a little bit of hope. But until we see him on the field with actual tacklers coming at him, defense is actually trying. We can't really read too much into what's going on right now with him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the biggest thing for Paxton Lynch is doing the consistent thing, the play-by-play. You know, we've talked about it in the draft podcast. Both of us have kind of evolved our evaluations from quarterbacks and while the flash plays and everything like that are fun and nice you know if it's good for a highlight video i don't care if they're throwing it 80 yards down the field from their knees underhand 
you know, while I don't know, singing the hallelujah chorus, like it, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like you got to be able to do the consistent thing game by game, play by play, snap by snap, etc. And just Paxton Lynch has been so far from that. You'll see some flashes. I mean, we've talked about it. He had that throw his rookie season against Tampa Bay, which was one of the best throws the Browns quarterbacks have made as far as an arm talent, putting it to a spot. I think it was like a 15 yard out that I'd seen from a quarterback. I mean, Peyton Manning wouldn't have made that throw because he just didn't have that arm strength. That wasn't really Peyton's game. But that doesn't matter if you can't do the small things consistently. And just Paxton has not been able to do that. And so going through progressions, having it going and put in the work. I mean, as fun as Fortnite is, sorry, you PUBG listeners, Fortnite's better than PUBG. Um, <laughs> are you PUBG fans? Khalid's going to delete the podcast after this. But yeah, it's just doing the little things consistently and knowing that it's it's beyond just showing up. You have to come in and be a leader, put in the work and be the guy. You know, it's not going to be handed to you. I don't care your first round pick. I don't care your quarterback. And it's it's crazy. This year, it's weird because I feel like there's less pressure on Paxton in a sense that because we have Case Keenum, we know that the, he doesn't have to start. But at the same time, things are less guaranteed for him than ever before. That first round draft pick status is really starting to rust up a little bit. And you got Chad Kelly behind him and Case Keenum in front of him. I mean, Broncos didn't go quarterback earlier this year in the draft. They didn't go quarterback at all in the draft. So that's, that's a I guess, a small endorsement for Paxton Lynch. But what he does this year probably will have as big of an impact on the rest of his career as an NFL quarterback as any year he's had so far. So big year for Paxton. And if he does step up, it's going to have big ramifications, positive ramifications for the Broncos, not just 2018, well, specifically not 2018, but beyond, because it could really just change the the course of what the Broncos can do on that side of the football in the draft, team building, and everything going forward. Exactly. I mean, every every Bronco fan out there should be cheering either for Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, or Chad Kelly, one of the three, to become the Broncos at quarterback. And so, yeah, you need to, to hear that he's doing good things, that he can win this backup position against Chad Kelly. He can't let a seventh-round quarterback beat you again. If that happens, he's gone after this year. Yeah. I, I just can't see how they can keep – I mean, other than he's he's halfway cheap. But even there, he's not the cheapest quarterback. You can go draft another quarterback if Chad Kelly has been your ba- is going to move to your backup role. You can go get a guy that's a quarter of the price and and still feel okay with it. Yeah. And at that point, it's it's about uh, a locker room change, not only for the Broncos, but for Paxton Lynch. I mean, if the three years in a row and it's just been putrid and garbage and everything that it's been so far, granted injuries and the offensive system around him haven't been great. But I mean, he's we've said it on this podcast before. He's as much at fault as the team team does definitely deserve his blame as well. But it's right. it's make or break time for Paxton Lynch. But if he does take that next step. You know, being able to go through progressions, being able to do the little things, it could mean so much for the Broncos because it gives them an option behind. And you're safer behind Case Keenum because if he gets hurt, I mean, right now it's hair on fire, we're screwed kind of stuff going on if Case Keenum gets hurt. <laughs> but if he steps up and takes that next step and starts to show, you know, really show that he can do those things and show off those natural tools and just go out there and play football. I mean, he, when he's out there not thinking too much, he can do things, but it's not natural to him right now. So we'll see. But what do you what do you expect is going to happen? We're going to put on the uh, Miss Cleo hat right now. We're going to a little get the uh, what is it? The C and I ball. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> Third put their hands on the ball, talking the dead. You know, whatever yeah. that whatever that is. It's looking into the future. What do you expect this season? OTAs, training camp, and overall this season. Is he going to take that step, or is he going to tread water and you know be that keep trending towards that bus status he's been at? With hearing 
that he is spending more time at the facility, that he is working harder than in years past. And, and maybe this is going to be the biggest part of this equation for him, knowing that this is a much more simple language offense. I, I think that's big for all the quarterbacks. I, I it bothers me how much offensive coordinators just expect these quarterbacks to know these 15 to 20 word calls or, and it's not even just the quarterback. It's the entire offense to have to know. I mean, I know that they only have to listen to one part of it if you're not a quarterback, but I just feel like you're setting them up for failure. If you're going to have that kind of language, because college doesn't have that. A lot of them have those boards on the side with four pictures and, and Hey, one of these pictures means something to you. So a simplified language for the offense. That doesn't mean a simplified offense. That just means a simple way to to remember it of, hey, one to two words, and we know what play we're, we're going with. That That's, I think, big for him. So I, I do expect a little bit better. I, I feel like he's going to come out and and know the offense a lot more, feel a lot more confident. And, and like you said, taking that pressure off, I think that quarterback battle last year was not good for the team at all. For Simeon or for Paxson, because neither it was Simeon won by default. It, it wasn't that Simeon went out and won it. It was both looked really bad, but the quote, the coaches had to pick somebody. It's it, even worse because they tried to give it to Paxton. Right, like, right, exactly. They, they were like, please take this. Please, God, take this. We do not want Simeon. We need to see what you have. And he lost again. Right. And, and so, yeah, I do think pressure got to him and and maybe the Broncos that's maybe a big thing they're having to learn is how do we talk to Paxton maybe they're learning that they can't talk to Paxton the same way that they did to Peyton Manning or even Trevor Simeon to to get him motivated I I I don't know that that's just something every person is different what motivates you compared to what motivates me is very different I'm sure meat and beer Oh man. Okay. We are pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm a meat guy. I beer. I'm not quite the, the connoisseur that you are out there in Iowa, yeah. you know, as, as Hicks in Kansas, we, we like our, I mean, uh, our light. light and Bud Light. Oh, that's not even that trash. The Iowa is like the number one consumer of Bush Light. Oh, there you Literally go. go to yeah. an Iowa tailgate. It's Bush Light everywhere. It oh, boy. Is. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a hipster bro beans kind of type where I want the, the IPAs, the more hops, the better. And if it's been soaked in that bourbon barrel, I'm all about it. Oh man, there you go. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm like, you I said, better win this bet because my beer tastes is expensive. <laughs> Come on, Paxton. Don't let me down. <laughs> but no, I, I do. I expect a little bit better from him this year compared to, to years past. Are you getting that same vibe or are you opposite of that? I have, I don't think he's, going to succeed i maybe i'm a pessimist i just what i've seen the last two seasons and everything like that i think it's probably a safer bet to assume that things don't click could be wrong but i'm just and also i just want to be a little bit contrarian because and self-fulfilling prophecy because i want to win this darn bet (laughs) i'd rather lose it but at the same time i I want to be able to rub it in your face right so (laughs) so we'll see what happens i think the biggest thing for him is just being comfortable getting his confidence back going out there, going through the progressions. I like that he's taking care of the football, but like we talked about, he was a guy where he'd do that, take three steps back, and then if he felt any pressure, whether it be ghost or real, he would look to use his athleticism and take off. He needs to learn to be a pocket quarterback, and those tools are nice, but they can't be a get-out-of-jail-free card every time. You know, he's not Michael Vick. He's not Cam Newton. He's got to be able to win with his arm more than he's shown and with his with his head quite frankly and he just hasn't shown that so far and i'm not at otas we're both not at otas so we can't say 
you know, exactly what's happening there. But preseason play and what he's shown on the field so far, I just it would be it's it would be more faith based to say that he's going to turn it around than evidence based at this point. So it's so a big question. Yes or no. Does he win the backup role? I think he does. I think he does. But I, I think it's more it's going to be more like Trevor Simeon versus Paxton Lynch last season for that kind of spot. It's not because he really goes out there and wows it, but he's still the first round pick team wants to be right about that. And they have him for as much control as Chad Kelly. I just think that he's more likely to win it at this point than Chad Kelly is. But Chad Kelly is a complete unknown as far as an NFL player. I'm, I'm with you. I, I agree. I think he's going to win it. Yeah. Well, then that, that takes us to the next guy that we wanted to talk about. And that is Chad Kelly. Essentially. I mean, this is, this is an either or Broncos either need Chad Kelly to, to go out there and wow people or Paxton Lynch to go out there and wow people. They get one of those guys. It's really good for the team moving forward. But anyway, Chad Kelly, he is actually the, the cheaper option. His contract is $496,000 with very little dead money. If he is cut. So if, if Chad Kelly becomes a starting quarterback, that is huge for roster building. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean think about what the, the Seahawks were able to do with Russell Wilson and the Cowboys with Dak, even to a greater extent, because those guys were fourth-round picks compared to the last pick in the entire draft. Right, right, exactly. And he's only – he's 24 years old, six foot two, 200, and, and I think he's about 12 pounds actually right now. He has lost about 24 pounds. Uh, when I look at that 212 pounds for a quarterback, is that too light? It's a little light, but I think it's it's right in there. 215 to 225 for a six foot two quarterback. That sounds about right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. When I first saw that weight, I was like, oh man, he has really gone to the to the skinny side of things. Yeah. But, 212. I mean, it's pretty light, but we'll see how he looks on the field because he definitely had a little bit of a a dad bod going on at Ole Miss. <laughs> That's true. And I, I guess the, the smaller weight, the reason I kind of bring that up is just because he has been injured a lot in his college career. And obviously last year spent the whole year on IR. It'll be interesting once he takes those first few hits, how he responds to that. That'll be a big thing for him. But anyway, what we've heard lately on on Chad Kelly, like I said, is that he has lost some weight. He is in some very, very good shape. He really got himself on a good diet the Broncos have one of the better nutritional programs in the NFL, from what I understand. But obviously, that doesn't always mean that it translates well to on the field. From what I understand, he has struggled so far in OTAs. And I, I guess, and understand, I'm saying this with a, I, I'm not there. This is secondhand kind of information. Hearsay. It's right. hearsay. hearsay. It would be objected to in court. Sorry, Carl, I love you, but. <laughs> anyway, some have started trying to connect some of the dots that after he was the lone quarterback at rookie minicamp, they they brought in Nick Stevens. And some think that means he really struggled and the Broncos wanted to get some insurance or at least some competition to push him to say, hey, you, you don't have a roster spot yet. You need to understand that, that we can stick Nick Stevens on the practice squad or even they could try to get Chad Kelly on the practice squad and only keep two quarterbacks. So right now, like I said, he has been struggling, but he's also been out of football since what? Two Novembers ago. Yeah. It's, it's been a bit. (laughs) Right. And so you got to expect there's going to be some rust. He's not going to go out there in day one 
look like Peyton Manning. That, that's just not going to happen. And so I, I'm again, this is early on. Let's not read too much into this or anything like that. But if the, the struggles continue, there's a good chance that Chad Kelly could struggle to make this roster. Yes. I, I know as crazy as that sounds because this is his first year with the Broncos, but he's a seventh round pick. The last seventh round pick. Right. The, yeah. Mr. Irrelevant. So, I, and I've, I've heard some people say, oh, he was first round talent until he got hurt and because of his off the field stuff. Do you realize what some of the players have done off the field that still got them drafted early in the draft? I mean, yeah. I, I think of, look at our, our rivals and the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. That guy did 10 times worse stuff off the field than whatever Chad Kelly did. And he still went, what, fifth round? Yep. I mean, Joe Mixon. Right, exactly. I mean, so I'm sorry. Teams did not view him as a first-round quarterback. He might have had some moments where he had some first-round potential. I I know everybody points to his games against Alabama looking so good. Ole Miss beat Alabama, not Chad Kelly. Yes. Let's just point that out. (laughs) If you go watch those games and actually see Chad Kelly, there's like five or six passes that should have been picked off that his receivers came down with. Yeah, Treadwell was great in those games. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Treadwell was fun. Yeah, yeah. Huntsville as well. And Evan Ingram. Right. So, I mean, he had a lot of talent around him for some of those games. But, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from Chad Kelly. It's just to remember there's a lot more that went into it with his play on the field of why he went seventh round than just his off-the-field questions dropping him that far. So it's, it wouldn't be that crazy of an idea if he really struggles that the Broncos cut him. But especially, especially because they've only kept two quarterbacks active on the roster pretty often in the recent past. And he's practice squad eligible. So if he does struggle, there's no reason that, to think that he wouldn't end up on the practice squad. Right, exactly. So now let's talk about what does he need to show in OTAs, minicamp, and training camp to make you think that maybe he can take that next step for the NFL. What's what's the big thing you need to see from him right off the bat? Making smart. It's the same thing as Paxton Lynch and Case Keenum. It's running the offense successfully, you know, letting the wow plays come outside of structure naturally, not trying to force that from happening. Um, He could clean up his throwing mechanics too. Um, And just going through his progressions, running the offense and being consistent. And that's something that... I'm not super confident he will do. And from what I've heard in OTAs, he, again, you mentioned it already, he's been the quarterback that, I mean, besides Nick Stevens, which I don't have expectations for, but Chad Kelly out of the three higher profile guys, he's been the one who's been struggling more. And it's, that's has me to believe that the next step, while it's hypothetically out there, I, I don't know if we'll, we'll see it, him reach that this season. Right. And, and I know a lot of people have high hopes for him, but the, he definitely has a long ways to go to, to prove anything that he can make it in the NFL. So I'm, I'm hopeful, but there's just so many things that he needs to show right now. I I need to see, I need to hear things like that. He's doing well with the playbook. Like you said, smart decisions on the football field. I need to, to hear that he's good in the locker room leadership wise. I mean, when you hear things of some of the the things that he's done off the field, you kind of go, Oh man, is this guy that great in the locker room? So th- there's a few things for him that just that, that definitely need to happen. I, and, and to follow that up, then 
What happens, do you think, if he does not take that next step? Do you really think the Broncos would just decide to go with two quarterbacks this year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they want to go with two quarterbacks from what I've heard from Eric. So if that's how it comes down, the only way I see them not carrying two quarterbacks is if both Paxton Lynch and Chad Kelly play very well. Specifically, if Chad Kelly also plays well, that they're afraid that he'd get coached off the practice squad. But I think preferably they'd keep two quarterbacks instead of three. Okay. Well, then expectations for this upcoming year. Do you think he makes this roster? I think he is on the practice squad, but not on the 53. Follow-up question to that. Do you think he would get snatched up by another team? It depends completely on how he plays in preseason. Okay. Uh, That makes sense. (laughs) If he's terrible against third-string guys, yeah. Obviously, what team would want him? But Here's my question for you. Is he going to be the next champion, heralded, third-string quarterback that fades into irrelevance before he can never see the field? Because that tends to be something that some Bronco fans like to do. Cough, Sloter, cough, Brad Strader, cough, Bradley Van Pelt. I mean, it just goes on forever. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. There's such a love affair with that third-string, seventh-round quarterback. No, I... I think he would show well in games because of the lower level of competition, because he is, he's kind of got that gamer mentality. I I do think he can show better in games than he can in practice at times, but I think he's still going to have his struggles to start off with just because again, when you haven't been hit in a year and a half, if long, trying to think, I'm trying to do my math here in my head. It's been, been longer than that even. There's something about those first few hits that I think he's going to struggle right out of the gate, especially in preseason. I just think he's maybe either going to be too amped up or too jittery with guys flying around him. But probably that third, fourth preseason game, I could still I could see him actually showing a little something. I don't know. I people have such a love affair with him already. I think it's it's kind of the opposite of Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch could do everything right, and people would still cuss his name. Chad Kelly could go out there and throw four interceptions and people would be like, ah, he hasn't played in a while. It's it just kind of one of those things. For some reason, the, the, the hope of the future makes people see things a little bit different, I guess. So uh, uh, that's my long answer, I guess, for that. If the Broncos, again, one of these guys needs to take that next step for this team because there's a chance Case Keenum's only a two-year guy. And if the Broncos are able to have one of these guys step up and show some potential that they could eventually be the starting quarterback. That would make a world of difference for this team going forward and for you listeners of this podcast. Cause if not, you're going to hear me banging the table for a quarterback again next year. So that's on you listeners. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's on Chad Kelly and Paxton Lynch actually. Oh, actually probably be banging the table for defensive line, but you know, that's just because that's next year's class. So we'll see. But anyway, moving on, we got another offensive player here. Most of these guys will actually be on the offensive side of the ball in today's episode. But running back Devontae Booker, 26 years old, 5'11", 219 pounds, coming into the third year of his deal, two years left on his contract, with a contract a cap hit of $700,000, a little bit over $700,000 against the books for 2018. Last year, he ran 79 times for 299 yards and one rushing touchdown, 3.8 yards per carry, which was eh, mediocre. I mean, the the yards per carry was okay, but again, injured and just got put behind C.J. Anderson again. It never really showed. However, he did flash in the run game. Unfortunately for a penalty, the one against the Colts was called back, but 
30 catches for 275 yards. And that was, that was pretty exciting to see. That was probably one of the, the highlights of the season last year, as far as a spectacular play. Right. But when you can see an individual effort be the reason that you score a touchdown, it's kind of like when we were talking about CJ Anderson leaving in some of our favorite plays and his one against the Raiders on third down where he made like five guys miss. Those are, are the plays you're just like, man, that extra effort, that extra ability made the difference. And yeah, like you said, it's just so sad that that one got called back. So it doesn't show up in the stat lines. He started off OTAs this year as the number one running back, but he does have some competition. D'Angelo Henderson's had some first team reps as well. And there's a lot of talk that Royce Freeman might end up being the guy for the Broncos as the, the main ball carrier this season. So this really is a put up or shut up season for Booker. They got rid of CJ Anderson. They've always preached how confident they are in him. They got rid of Studesville. So they're saying like, it's not really the, player there it's the coach they got to get a new coach in there see if that does anything from booker and those guys in there but again like paxton lynch this is a put up or shut up season for booker just a fourth round pick so not in the super highest of investments but they talk like they love this kid and he played very well when he played at utah so i still have some hope for him but the name of the episode this is about taking the next step on the offense Devontae booker absolutely has to take the next step and he honestly, for the offensive side of the ball, might be the most important guy in taking the next step next year if the offense is going to take uh, a big step forward. Yeah, you have to have one of these running backs emerge. One of the, the stats that I heard earlier this week that I thought was so telling of, of the Broncos' offense last year was they were 12th in yards before contact for the running back. So I, I know everybody wants to, to bag on the offensive line for not being that great, but they were actually a good rushing offensive line. They, they would get some push. They would get some room for these running backs to go make plays. But when you're only averaging 3.8 yards per carry, that means you're not making guys miss. You're, you're not out there doing what, what you need to do as a running back to, to be that true number one. And so for, for Booker, my, my biggest thing for him is – He's just he has to learn to run with vision. He he has some some burst to his game. I remember his rookie year. There were times I think it was that Chargers game, one of the first ones that he really emerged onto the scene. He all of a sudden had about seven straight carries of like seven or eight yards because he was just hitting the hole so hard, so fast, and it was just like, oh man, this guy maybe he can really be that future. And then it seemed like once he took over as the the starting running back, he just lost all ability or just. He just started running right to where the hole was supposed to be, and it didn't matter if the hole was open or not. And as a running back, one of the best things you can have, I think, is vision. I think that's one of the biggest things. Of, I, I think it's better than athleticism. I think it's better than speed, power, whatever you want to say. If you have vision as a running back, you could make it in the NFL. Terrell Davis is a great example. He was not the fastest. He was not the strongest. But he had some of the best vision I've ever seen out of a running back. That guy knew where the hole was going to open before it ever opened. And it just obviously led to a Super Bowl. Two Super Bowls, sorry. Oh, my goodness. I'm shorting the Broncos here. Yeah. But for me, yeah. So, <laughs> but for me, yeah, Booker, that, that's the big thing I need to see from him this year. And part of it, I think, for him that has been part of the struggle is he has gone into camp both times for the, the last two years. It hurt. And camp is where you kind of start getting that that rhythm, that ability to work with your offensive line, the ability just to, to see a little bit more. It's a little bit slowed down. And so you just got a little bit more opportunity to just get into that rhythm instead of all of a sudden, oh, you're in week six. Hey, jump in there. Let's see what you got. That doesn't really work well for a running back. 
not so much. Right. So, I mean, that that's my biggest thing for him this year is just stay healthy. I think if he can stay healthy, he can turn into something. I agree. The biggest thing for me is obviously staying healthy. Number one, got to be availability is your best ability, but you hit the nail on the head. It's the vision. He was touted as a guy with vision at Utah. I didn't always see that being the case, but that was something coming in that, Oh, he's got a great feel for the line of scrimmage and vision. And so far he's been a guy that doesn't really have a feel for the line, the blocking, you know, he'll kick things outside when he shouldn't run into the back of a guy. CJ Anderson had some issues with this too, but CJ Anderson kind of had a pace to his running where the offensive line could kind of flow and then he'd kind of squirt through a little bowling ball through the line of scrimmage. You just haven't seen that with Bokey. He hasn't been as strong punching through the offensive line, which power run game, gap scheme, that's that's what he's going to need to show. So it's it's definitely put up or shut up time for him. And just staying healthy. You, you hit it. So it's big. A lot of reps are going to help staying on the field and having a season where he's going into this year as the number one on the depth chart. So I think I think he can do it. And one thing that I really like about him that I don't think he didn't really get to show it off in college as much, but his three down ability, his, some of his catches last year and his ability to line up even like slot, like they'd motion him out there. That's a way the NFL is trending. I mean, you got these guys as match mismatch weapons against linebackers and safeties in space. And if you're not getting them in space in the run game, you can kind of do that with the pass game. And Patriots have shown how effective that can be. So Booker's ability as a route runner, a third three down back, can really help him elevate his game and make it more valuable. But if he's not running consistently between the tackles with vision and staying healthy, he's just going to be a limited role player and probably one of the lesser used guys in a running back by committee for the Broncos this season. Right. I, I agree. I mean, that's, this is definitely a very big make or break year for him. If he doesn't do anything, I mean, he's going to be off the roster after this year. And like you said, he'll have a very limited role if, if he is on this team and he can't, show that next step because I mean, when you go use a, a third round pick on, on Freeman, he's and, the early uh, third round pick. right. Early third round pick. And then of course you have Henderson from last year that showed a little bit of flashes at the end of the year. He could very quickly be out of a job here. I don't know. Like you said, the coaches always seem to love this guy. So I, I think that usually means he's a hard worker. I think when he's there with the team and not hurt. I think he has shown the the coaches that he's going to put in the time and energy to to be a good running back. So uh, that's usually a pretty good sign when the coaches love a player. I mean, sometimes they hold on to guys that are not really worth it, but 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 we'll just have to see on some of that with him. But I I think this is going to be the competition of camp. Who wins that starting running back position? Everybody running back by committee. <laughs> what happens? Well, I, I, and. Maybe that is the next question here. What, what are your expectations then for the running back group or just for, for Booker alone? I see Booker getting probably 15 touches to 20 touches a game, probably closer to 15. Okay. I My expectation, honestly, is actually that Freeman's going to win the starting role. Mm. And I, I think I think that Booker will be the, the backup and so he will get his opportunities. I think he will be that third down running back that'll come in and, and be that receiving threat. I think he's a decent blocker as well. I mean, that's why my one big thing with Freeman is what what is he going to look like as a blocker his rookie year? And I just think he and Henderson are going to be fighting for those those extra snaps. I, I like Freeman. I like what he fits for. I like how he fits into this offense. I guess is, is the best thing. And I like that I've heard that Freeman has lost a little, little bit of weight. 
to try to get back some of his explosiveness from his sophomore year. And I just, I watched a lot of Freeman over the last couple of weeks because I was writing an article on him. And I, I just, like I said, I just think there's, there's some very good promise there. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we better keep this into high gear because we still got some guys to talk about and we were only three in. So <laughs> moving on, we have Garrett Bowles. He has a contract this season, a cap hit of 2.5 million with a 9 million dead cap hit. And he has four years left. If you consider that fifth year option, but three years without it and is 26 years old, six foot five, 297 pounds. So, Big boy could probably, I mean, honestly, I don't know if he's 297 anymore. I'd be curious to see the updated weight listed for him because I'm hoping he's a little bit heavier than that these days. Last year, he played 98% of all offensive snaps and 12% of snaps in special teams, which is pretty darn surprising. I mean, I remember the, what game was it last year where we thought he was pretty much done for the year? Was it the Cowboys? I think you're right. I think it was the Cowboys game because then, like, oh, he's probably going to be out for a bit, and then he ended up playing the next week at Buffalo. I'm that's right, sure. yeah. Pretty sure. So pretty surprising for him. That's that's big for him, and he went between 300 pounds and 290 pounds last season. Hopefully we can get him up to about 315. That's where I'd like to see him at, given his frame. And he has been working on his technique with offensive tackle specific coach Chris Strasser. We brought in Sean Kugler. The Broncos brought in Sean Kugler, but he's going to be interior offensive line coach this season. So Chris Strasser working with the offensive tackles. And the next step for him, honestly, it's weight training. You know, got to get that consistency and that weight, uh, get stronger because sometimes he didn't show the best anchor and he didn't sustain blocks as well as you'd want, both going back to strength in the weight room, transitioning to on the field. But also the biggest thing, just consistency. His technique can be all over the place, whether it be from his footwork to his hand placement. And if he can work on that and get that better and better, his frame with his overall natural athleticism, give him the potential to be a very good starting left tackle in this league for a, a while to come, honestly. Yeah, I, I did hear him talking earlier today, actually. He said he's up to 305, and that's kind of where he wants to stay. He, he said he wants to stay at the 305 to 308 range. And last year, I guess he played around 290 for most of the season. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a jump. It's not quite the jump you're hoping for. But I think he's too afraid to lose his athleticism if he gets too much heavier. So, I, I guess we'll see how he does at 305. I, I still think he has the frame to, to add a little bit more, get to closer to what you're talking about. He'll never quite be the 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 330 kind of guy. But, uh, but, yeah, 305, 310, somewhere in there, I think could be a pretty good weight for him too. This is only going to be his third season playing offensive line. He started as a defensive tackle at Snow Valley Community College before playing a little bit of offensive tackle there and then going to Utah playing one year. So about three and a half years offensive tackle play. So he's still pretty raw with that technique, learning everything, getting the consistencies down a bit. So I'm expecting, we should all be expecting a decent step forward this season and something that I don't know, can't believe I didn't talk about it as well, but penalties. Garrett Bowles it has been a penalty issue. It happened at Utah. It was an issue last year. And even if he doesn't add great strength to his play this year or even consistency with his technique and pass and run sets, if he can improve his discipline and lower that penalty count, it would make a world of difference for the offense and the offensive line. And, uh, yeah, but I do think maybe one of the two there, – there's two big things I want to talk about for him. One – 
I do think having Ron Leary next to him is going to be a huge deal. When you have that veteran great player next to you, I think that's going to be a huge help. Where especially with those uh, those twists and turns that that defense like to throw in those directions, I think that'll be a lot more of a trust factor if you know your guy's going to be in the right spot next to you. Two, I think having a quarterback that knows how to step up in the pocket that was one of the the great plays that I heard from from OTAs was. The uh, defense pretty much did an all-out blitz. And instead of trying to get to the edge or anything like that, like we've seen with Paxton Lynch, like we saw with Trevor Simeon, or Trevor Simeon would just do the self-sack when he saw a blitz coming at him, pretty much Case Keenum stepped up in the pocket, knew he was going to take a hit. I mean, obviously, OTAs, he's not taking a hit. But he showed that at, at the Vikings last year was he was willing to step up and to make a play. And uh, so he did that made a great completion down the field to DT and one of the biggest plays of practice. So that'll be a big help because a lot of his holding penalties were because the quarterback kind of hung out there in the back and he had a very large arch that he had to try to cover. So I expect, like you said, I expect a lot more just because being year three of being an offensive tackle, that that should be a, a big leap for him especially now that he's kind of used to the NFL, used to the NFL speed and just kind of understanding what they're trying to throw at him. There's a lot of promise with this kid for sure. Yeah. I was happy with the pick last year. It wasn't as ecstatic as it was with the Chubb pick, but I think that he has as good of a chance to actually take that step forward this year as any player we're talking about, giving everything involved with his journey so far in his career where he's at and the changes the Broncos have made on the offensive side of the ball, both coaching and roster-wise. So I have big expectations for Bulls this year. I hope he can stay healthy. I hope he can take that next step forward because if the Broncos can get solid left tackle play on that rookie contract for the next three, four seasons, it's going to make a big difference for this roster because it's going to help solidify the offensive line. It's going to protect that blind side, which again, left tackle isn't as important or highly celebrated as it used to be because these edge rushers are being moved around now and you have interior guys and it's more important than ever to have five guys across the offensive line that are good rather than the, you know, the core positions of like left tackle, right guard and a solid center. But it's, it's going to be big for this team and I'm, I'm really pulling for him. I think if I was going to bet on anybody we've talked about so far as the guy that's most likely to take that step forward this season, it's probably Bulls. I, I can't disagree with you at all, man. That's, I, I do. I expect him to to really show why he was a first-round pick this year. All right. Well, we still have a bit to get to, but before we move on, let us tell you about why we need you to become Mile High Huddle VIP subscribers. Mile High Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news, although we pride ourselves in being able to relay you all the breaking Broncos news as it's happening in real time. What we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos from an in-depth perspective. From all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dives on player evaluations, and now coming out of the draft, analysis on the 2018 class, we save our best and most in-depth content for our premium members, the VIP subscribers. To become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and the VIP insider forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the website, click the monthly or annual option, you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way, as well as our in-depth content. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the internet. We ask for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger, and you have my word, you won't be disappointed. 
All right. Well, we still have three guys to get to here, and we're going to have to push it along because Carl and I like to be little chatty Cathy's. But the next guy is one of the more intriguing guys this season because he's really as big of a question mark, I guess, besides Chad Kelly, and that is Jake Butt. Jake Butt is a second-year player, although he didn't play at all last year because he injured his ACL at Michigan in their bowl game, the Orange Bowl, I believe. He is only 22 years old, so still just a baby. Sorry for you younger listeners out there. You guys are all children. <laughs> and he is six foot five, listed 246, although I believe he's up around 250 now. Um, the latest talk is that he's been doing well on the field, moving decently, looks pretty far removed from that ACL injury, and has been playing pretty well as a receiver. However, he's struggling a lot with blocking assignments, both as far as the playbook side of things, you know, who he's supposed to block, when he's supposed to get there, and actually locking up that player when he does engage with them. So that that's concerning because the Broncos want to be a run team this season, and you need the offensive line is already kind of a, a question mark, let's be real, especially right tackle. <laughs> still, although I'm excited for Vildir, but still, question mark. But as a receiver, it's something the Broncos desperately need, and how bad the tight end position has been the past few seasons since, let's be serious, since Julius Thomas left, they really have just not had a number one that does anything for this team. Although, Owen Daniels, you're my boy for scoring that first touchdown against the the Patriots in that AFC Championship game. And the second. Yeah, and the second. Gosh darn, Owen Daniels, my man. (laughs) You know, he was a really good quarterback in high school. Really? Yeah, he was like a really highly regarded quarterback, but Wisconsin converted him to tight end. So, ah, man. Those Badgers. I know. Gosh darn Badgers. I'm excited. I just I have season tickets this year, and that Wisconsin-Iowa game is going to be amazing, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully better than the last year's Iowa-Wisconsin game. But anyway, yeah, it would be great for Jake Butt to, I mean, step up, just step it all. Let's be honest, because that's how pitiful the tight end production has been the last few seasons. Last season, our number one producer of the tight end position didn't even play like half the season on the team. It was A.J. Derby, so he was released. So tight end position's just been a, a black hole on this roster. And that makes me sad because I love the tight end position. Improved blocking would be big for him for the next step, obviously, and just, just being out there on the field. He's going to offer much as a yard-after-catch guy. Uh, he's That's not really totally his game, but being a consistently open guy, move the chains, and be a receiving threat for the Broncos over the middle of the field and on third downs and in zones, finding the soft spot in zones would be, gosh, it'd be so huge for Case Keenum and the Broncos, especially considering how much Case Keenum loved to use Kyle Rudolph in the red zone and on third downs last season. I think there, there's maybe no more, no player with more hope from Broncos country than that of, of Jake Butt, but maybe no player that has more pressure to try to live up to that kind of hype when he hasn't even stepped on the field. I mean, I I can't remember the last time I saw a a tight end hyped up this much. That was a fifth round pick. Now, given it was big, the reason he dropped that far was because of his injury, but, but still, I mean, there's a lot of expectations of what Jake Butt's going to bring to the Broncos. And I I just, I hope he's ready for that kind of pressure to to be brought upon him. Cause like you said, that the tight end room has just been, it's been a nightmare. Every year you, you you sit there and you hope that Virgil Green is going to emerge into something. And he gets hyped up of, oh, this is the year that he finally breaks out. And then he has like 10 catches for the year and <laughs> and then spends half of it on the uh, on the IR or injured list or, you know, things like that. But oh, I really hope Jake Buck can, can show something, because like you said, when you have that tight end. It is such a, a great matchup nightmare 
And I, I would love to see the Broncos be on the, the giving side of that instead of the receiving end of that. Because it's been been a nightmare trying to cover tight ends that are actually good. And Jake Butt, like you said, as a receiver, I think my my expectations are just my my thoughts of what this year is going to be for him. I think he's going to be a good receiving tight end. I really do. I've heard a lot of good things so far, and and I saw a lot of good things on his tape when he was there at at Michigan. But like you said, if taking that next step, it's going to have to be that he's going to have to be a three down tight end. A guy that you can trust to stay on the field to block, a guy that you can trust to know exactly where he's supposed to be, and and a guy that just just wants to to do everything because tight end is one of the hardest positions I think on the football field. Yeah, so run the routes and know the playbook like a receiver, have hands like a receiver, and then know this exact same thing of the offensive line. Right, exactly. I mean, you're you're not going to ask your receivers to know how to to sit there and block on the offensive line for a, a a goal line kind of run right up the middle. But you're going to need your tight end to know that. You're going to need them, and, and they might have to know multiple positions. They might be that slot receiver option. They might be that H-back option because I, I we don't know Andy Janovich if they're going to keep him on the team this year or not. So maybe they're, they're going to have to play some fullback. There's just so much that's going to be asked of them. And can we expect a guy that hasn't played a single snap in the NFL to really rise up and meet those expectations that are being set for him right now? Yeah, I agree. The biggest thing is just getting out there and getting his his feet wet, so to speak. He's got to go out there and play. And that, I'm sure he's more confident with that knee day by day because it's, I mean, it's been 18 months now. And they took it slowly last year with him, which I'm happy about. There was no really, there was no real reason to rush him, all things considered. So expectations this year, just getting your feet wet. I think he's going to play more like a tight end two than a tight end one this year. What does that mean for the team going forward? Not really sure. I'm thinking he'll probably play like tight end one snaps, but his production won't be there in that regard. But again, this is essentially his rookie season. So not going to be totally disappointed by that. And if he can go out there and just be a viable third down option, you know, be consistent with his hands, move the chain some, not get blown up in the blocking game, and improve as a blocker. That's a big thing. And be a red zone weapon with this team. I would consider this season a step forward and a success for him as well. What, what would be a realistic stat line for him for you? I would say something like 35 to 40 receptions, 400 to 450 receiving yards, and two touchdowns probably is realistic. That's like not putting too high of expectations on it, but also not saying that he's not going to contribute at all. Yeah. Last year, Virgil Green was the the leading receiver for the Broncos at the tight end position. And he had 14 catches for 191 yards. One touchdown. No, that's that's terrible. Next is Hireman at nine catches for 142 yards and two touchdowns. So it's definitely been, a like you said, a black hole for the Broncos so far. And if you can, if you can get that 40 to 45 receptions out of the tight end position from one player, about 450, 500 yards, and you would hope maybe four or five touchdowns just because guys are going to be focusing on DT and Sanders so much, I, I think he's going to have some some nice matchup matchups in the red zone that maybe the Broncos can really take advantage of. That would be huge for this Bronco offense to really take that next step. Yeah. 
I agree with you. Well, we've been talking about the offensive side of the football a lot, so we got to move it on here. And we're going to switch it to the defensive side. Bradley Roby, $8.5 million fifth-year option this year, 26 years old and five foot 11, 192 pounds. He's missed some OTAs this year because of sickness, but has quarterly been playing pretty well in filling in for Tlaib. He's never – Carl and I kind of gave Carl a hard time on Twitter the other day, but he's not going to replace Tlaib. It's impossible to replace Tlaib, but he's going to fill in that spot, and I think he's going to do pretty well. But the big thing, again, you know, he said that's the theme of the podcast, consistency. Bradley Roby is maddening because sometimes he can look like one of the best cornerbacks in the league. His ability to recover, his ability to change direction, click and close is great. I mean, that Miami game this year was amazing. But then you see him the next week and he just, I don't know if it's one player who takes up his heads in the clouds or whatever, but he'll give up two or three big plays that are obviously on him. Sometimes Darian Stewart didn't really help him last year. But that's besides the point. I would also like to see him make more plays on the ball. Um, again, talking about Tlaib, we're going to miss him, but the big thing that I would love to see Roby do this year is, you know, create some more turnovers. Turnovers are big, especially with how much the offense has struggled this year. So seeing Bradley Roby kind of kick up that turnover ability would be big. And then Bradley Roby came into the league. He's he's a press man corner. That's what he is. That's what he's best at. But in, or, in order to mix up coverages, it'd be nice to see him play a little bit more consistently with his off-ball technique, both in man and zone coverage. For me, I think – to really take that next step for him, and, and this is why I think he is so inconsistent sometimes, is I don't think he puts in the uh, – this is – okay, again, this is me just making some assumptions here. But when I hear legendary things of Chris Harris and Keep Tlaib putting in the work in the film room, that they know that offense backwards and forwards and, and just ex- know exactly what's coming at them. I mean, that's why Chris Harris is Chris Harris. That's why he's so good in the slot is he can read a player's feet. He can understand what they're trying to do against him. And he just goes and makes plays. Tlaib, again, he can read a, a how an offense is setting up and he can make those. That's why he can be aggressive. That's why he can make those kind of guesses at times because he has a pretty good idea what a deep or what offense is trying to do against him. And so I, I really think if – if Roby really wants to take that next step, it's just attaching himself to Chris Harris. When Chris Harris is in the film room, he's in the film room. When Chris Harris is working on the jugs machine or doing whatever, doing cone drills or whatever it may take, Bradley Roby is right there. I mean, there's nobody better to learn from than I think Chris Harris because he is one of those guys that's just, I think he's worked his tail off to get where he is. There's other guys in the league that are much more physically gifted. Bradley Robe is a great example. He is more physically gifted than Chris Harris. But because Chris Harris is so smart on the field, Harris is a much better cornerback. So that's what I would love to see is just those two just talking like crazy when they're at training camp. And and just because I I do think Tlaib and Harris had just this connection where they could kind of look across the field and say, hey, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing. And it just made for a, a legendary duo for sure. Absolutely. And he's, again, Tlaib's gone. Thank you, Tlaib, for your time. But it's time for the no-fly zone to evolve. And Roby, if he takes the next step this year, it's both like, it's a double-edged sword because it's better for the Broncos. But then they're going to have to open up that checkbook because he's going to hit the market. And you, you can't let him walk after a great season. You need that cornerback. You need three good cornerbacks to run the, the scheme the Broncos want to run. So I, I am 
it's it's really a double-edged sword. Obviously, you want him to do well, but understand the the long-term cap ramifications of if he does actually take that next step this year, what it means for the Broncos. And hopefully, if he does take that next step this year and gets paid, he can maintain that level and maybe even take another step after that because he has talent to be a top-ten cornerback in this league, a true number-one cornerback. But again, consistency, and I think ball production would be a big thing for him going forward, that if he can do that, he's the sky's going yeah, I agree, but this season's definitely the biggest one for him. But a new Bronco that has to take a step forward this season, the last guy on our list here since we're running long, Sua Cravens, recently traded for from the Washington Redskins. Just 22 years old, so still a little bit of a baby as well. Six foot one, 226 pounds, so almost that smaller linebacker type in that weight, and $650,000 cap this year with three years remaining. So that's, that's actually a good bit of news for the Broncos. He didn't play last year, so that actually didn't count. So he actually is considered a second-year player instead of a third-year player. So good for the Broncos. They have another year of cheap, cost-controlled player going forward. And Broncos seem very excited about him. I think Joe Woods is very excited about him. Broncos missed T.J. Ward's ability last season. Let me say that T.J. Ward, I, did not, I was not upset about, at least from a roster-building standpoint, I was not upset that he was gone. And that turned out to be a pretty good <laughs> viewpoint because he did Italy for the Tampa Bay Bucks because his play has regressed tremendously. But the Broncos missed that dimebacker type, a safety that can come down, provide a physical presence in the box, and be almost like a linebacker. You know, can play against tight ends, can play against running backs, plays hook zones close to the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what Cravens is. But to take that next step, obviously, number one, he's got to show that he's committed to the game. And if he's not committed to the game, then he won't be in the league for long. It's that he's saying all the right things. He's a funny dude. Yeah, his Twitter, I actually, he's one of my favorite Twitter followers on the Broncos right now. He's <laughs> posting all the time. Do you see the one the other day where somebody came into his apartment while he was on the toilet? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's also a big Fortnite fan as well. So, yeah. Great. But, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, when I was in college, I had that happen at like 3 a.m. I wasn't on the toilet, but I was in bed and you hear the front door open. And uh, walked out, and there's this guy getting food out of our fridge. Oh. And he goes, what are you guys doing here? We're like, we live here? And he's like, oh, this isn't my apartment? <laughs> nope. But nope. go ahead. Yeah. Help yeah. yourself. Right. <laughs> Take a bite, turn, can eat themselves. Uh, so I, I understand that making sure you lock that front door. I've been on the other end where I've walked into the wrong apartment, completely sober. So it just happens. Not paying attention. You know, get off the flight of stairs one flight too early, walking <laughs> the autopilot, open the door. It's like, whose apartment is this? Oh no, I'm on the wrong floor. <laughs> so happened more than once. I hate to say that. Oh, but yeah, Sue Cravens. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm kind of a kind of a blonde sometimes. He had flashes his rookie year, but he's gonna need to do more. He's need to play more often. He did, actually did not play as much as you know. One would think his snap count was pretty pretty limited for a second round pick. Granted, you know, we have Demarcus Walker on that same spectrum. So how can you say limited, but he's going to have to be more physical line of scrimmage, showing that he can play man coverage, zone coverage, uh, stay healthy and stay, stay grinding. But he seems committed. He seems excited for playing the Broncos and I'm, I'm waiting to see. I'm actually pretty, pretty darn excited to have him on the Broncos this season. It was a, a risk worth taking. Absolutely. It was a low risk, high reward move by the Broncos. That's, that's what I love. But like I said, you got to see how he's going to handle, especially when he takes those first bumps and bruises. 
uh, he's saying all the right things right now, but it's easy to be happy when you're healthy. Can you still be happy with the game when, oh man, everything hurts? Or when you come in uh, Tuesday or Wednesday after getting just absolutely embarrassed the week before or a big play that was definitely your fault and still coming in and grinding and working, even though everything hurts, you're tired and you know it's your fault. Right, exactly. That that's that's been the big question is how can he mentally handle this game? I mean, every, everybody's going to be asking the question, why did you quit? Why did you retire there for a second? And I know we can go to not trusting the organization, we can go to his concussions, all that kind of stuff, but it's still a matter of there's there's been a lot of players that have gotten all those things and still continue to play. I think of Luke Keekley. I said it right. He, he, how many concussions has he had? But he still goes out there and continues to play. And I'm not saying – I understand. If players quit because of concussions, that's you're, – you're watching out for your health. I understand that that's, that's, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But it's still always going to be that question of can you go out there year in, year out, week in, week out, day in, day out, and, and continue to, to grind because it's a long season. Yeah, how much longer do you have and how close are you to that last hit? Right, exactly. And so I'm excited when they get the pads on just to hear what's going on with him. If he starts missing practices because of bumps and bruises like he did at Washington, then I'm going to start questioning, all right, maybe he's not quite back like he was hoping. Maybe he all of a sudden got feeling good and missed a little bit of that that paycheck. I, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to say what kind of play- – person he is or anything like that i'm just saying there's just a lot of questions around this guy that's why washington was willing after one season and a year of retirement to to get rid of him for pretty much pennies on the dollar yeah that said definitely worth the risk for the broncos and if he can fill that tj ward dimebacker role for this team you know especially with the broncos not having the solid three cornerback looks that they've had in the past Maybe transitioning to more three safety looks where Simmons can come down and play some slot if need be. So it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm excited about it, and I think that he's going to be a good player for the Broncos this season. And already developing him and Justin Simmons going to be. I'm calling it now. I think they're going to be one of the better safety duos in the league going forward. That's that's my bold prediction. Oh man, look at you! Yeah, I love Simmons though. <laughs> I don't think that you'll find many bigger Simmons fans than me. Even it's like true. before he was drafted, I was a big Simmons fan. Then the Broncos took him. That, that was my guy. I think he's probably the, the budding young star on the defense right now. So I, I think Ravens will be good, but it's it's sixty percent because of Simmons. But I think Ravens is going to be great too for the Broncos. All right, all right. Well, it's it's hard to argue at least that he's going to bring more to the team than what they had last year. I mean, Will Parks tried to play that role. And he was one of the worst Bronco players in coverage last year. Garbage. That game against Miami, gosh, that was horrible. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was getting burned. The the double moves by the tight ends or running backs against him were just – they were golden. They worked all the time. And he should he actually should have given up a couple more touchdowns. Receivers dropped balls for him that made him look a little bit better than what he really was. So – Again, I just I can't see Sua Cravens being as bad in coverage as Will Parks was last year. So that that's that's a good thing. And I think he helps out in in the pass rush department. That was one of his biggest strengths when he was at Washington or USC. 
the guy can get after the quarterback. So I'm excited to see the the blitz packages that they come up with. I'm excited to see how they use Sua Cravens because that'll be a big part of this. Is that they did, they never had over the last couple of years the versatility that they have in players this year on defense. Guys like Sua Cravens, Bradley Roby, Chris Harris, both being able to play slot. You got safeties that are a little bit interchangeable, and and Darian Stewart and Justin Simmons. Defensive line wise, I mean, it, there's there's actually some depth there this year. Some guys that are made for getting after the quarterback. Some guys that are made for getting after the running back. You got pass rushers that you can move around. Uh, even off ball linebacker, there's a little bit more promise in the depth. And so I, I like what they're doing with the defense. I like what they can do and what they can put on the field on any given play. And Stuart Cravens is a big part of that equation to allow guys just to move around and, and do some unique things that that we haven't seen in the past. And it's just a matter of can Joe Woods be a good enough defensive coordinator to use the pieces right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, can I wrap this up because we're getting long? Yep, go ahead. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl CarlDelmarHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to milehighhuddle.com, a new affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' articles not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. Make sure you head on over to iTunes as well and leave us a five-star rating and a comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you news, but an in-depth analysis each week from team building, game planning, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to us on the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dunbar and Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos, we hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Go Broncos! Mile High Huddle!